0: Resolve. This month we are featuring women who have made a conscious decision to rise up and blow through barriers in their lives. What I love about these stories is that we can all relate to each one in very real and practical ways. And in the case of today's guest, she shows us how we can press through even when our hand is shaking. Anna Marie Savino has always loved writing and sharing her passion for making meaningful connections between words and ideas. The two interests fuse together in Sparrow's Well, her first published book. More of her writing can be found on her website and in Fueled by Coffee and Love, A Brew Perspective, in addition, of course, to the giant bin that you contains. Years worth of journal writing and notebooks from high school. Although not a writer by trade, after 16 years of teaching English to high school and junior high students, she decided to practice what she preaches and be a model of how narrative can positively change lives. In this episode, we learn how Anna took a challenging time in her life and resolved to use writing to heal. She shares deep insight into emotions through this creative work, and our conversation will no doubt have you thinking of the challenges and triumphs in your own life. I am inspired by Anna's commitment to becoming her best version, and I am honored to bring to you Anna Marie Savino's Resolve story. Welcome Anna Marie Savino to the in Awe podcast. I am so excited to have an awesome conversation with you today. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for having me. So Anna, uh, we have you featured here on the series on resolve. And I just know that you've got a mission and your message to share with the listeners today. But could you just give a little bit of background for the listeners that may not be familiar with you like what you are up to in the world where you are and what lights your passion?
1: Yeah, I am in San Diego, California. Uh, I have spent 16 years teaching junior high and high school English and, um, my passions are, um, very closely correlated to, to my job. Um, I love learning about my own story and I love learning about other people's stories. I think that, um, it is one of the only ways that we can actually defeat misunderstandings and assumptions that cause the major conflicts in this world. And I think through our, through learning about our own story and and learning about each other's stories, that is what's going to heal our world and change our world. Yeah. My listener is like, okay, yep. I get why she's here. (laughs) (laughs) It really is about nourishing the world. And, um, I, I discuss in my book that words can be incredibly powerful In healing. Um, Words can be used to hurt. Mm. Words can be used to heal. And um, what I want to do as a teacher, especially a teacher of English, is to teach students how to choose their words wisely, the way they might even choose ingredients for a recipe that they're cooking, that they're serving somebody, Um, and so that it nourishes the listener.
0: You're speaking my love language, And uh, so you mentioned that you are a teacher. Are you currently in the classroom? I am currently in the classroom. I actually
1: have um,
0: five responsibilities this year.
1: Uh, It's been
0: quite a year.
1: And, uh,
0: but teaching is one of them. Yes. That's awesome. And do you work? I'm just curious because, and I know my listeners might be a little bit curious too, for your day job. Do you work with high school age students and, you know, California is so very different from Wisconsin. I always love learning about other systems. Yeah. I currently teach 11th grade English and, um, but I have
1: taught junior high in the past and loved it just as much.
0: Oh, you lucky duck! Cause those juniors are, you know, they're figuring out that they want to buckle in and buckle up and get rocking. It is
1: my favorite year. Yeah.
0: There's a level of investment in the junior year that you can't find in a lot of the other classes.
1: There is, there is, and they are they are willing to have the meaningful conversations uh, that are required. And you know they've built their skills in ninth and tenth grade to have those meaningful conversations, and all of the skills based practice in those first couple of years start to make sense um, in the in the rich discussions that we're able to have junior year.
0: Oh, you're making me miss it a lot. So to circle back just a little bit, you said that you, um, you know, that you wrote about in your book that words have power. So do you just want to talk a little bit about some of that content? Because we have you featured here intentionally with Resolve. And I'm sure my listeners are curious about what it is that you write about that that might have kind of an empowering message or a a message of strength and perseverance and and push. Do you want to share just a little bit more about that thread? A lot of words
1: that we really don't understand the definitions to, and and one of them that I hope to bring to surface in, in my book is our emotions. So when we look at the word fear or the word anger or the word forgiveness or the word guilt, shame, what do those mean, truly mean and mean to us? We can define them in a dictionary, but what is the personal connotation of those words? And so what I've done is I've actually personified my emotions. And I know that there are movies and and books where uh, the emotions are all playing inside of someone's head, but very rarely does um, the protagonist actually get to interact with With all of those emotions who are interacting with each other inside of a head so i've brought them literally out to a table and i have listed characteristics of what my fear would look like and sound like and even dress like and um and i've had conversations with the emotions and I've learned their power because of that and I've learned how to be more powerful than them because of that. Um, I'm learning their strengths and their weaknesses and what feeds them, what words or decisions feed them and how do I keep them under control so that I can be more nourishing on the outside. So that is that is uh, there with me through, through with the majority of the book. Um, and they help me make decisions, um, but the decisions are up to me. They are—they um, are not powerful enough to act on their own. I am the one that's driving them. And once I take that power
0: back, magical things have started to happen in my life. And so I get to write about that. That's awesome. And of course, the geek English teacher in me is like, she said, personified. She said, protagonist. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> of course. You know, I always loved. um, I always love stories and working with this idea of personification of giving these inanimate or inhuman elements these personalized elements to the story, and so that's really cool. And so I'm just curious too, uh, about this book. Is there a, like a pain point that got you? Cause people don't just pick up and write a book. I mean, there are thousands of English teachers across the world, right? And even though we're t- working with students and teaching them the art of writing, very few actually take that up. Yes. So is there something that drove you to write this wonderful story? Yes. Uh, in
1: 2015, I had, um, the opposite of what's happening to me right now. Um, my whole world kind of crumbled it and um, a lot of it uh, was out of my control, but a lot of, of other things were my decisions. And so uh, my grandma passed away and that kind of spiraled into the rest of uh, of the things happening. I got divorced um, and then just drowned in the loss of my identity. Um, And so to try to rebuild my life after all of those things happened within a three month span of time, um, I I started using narrative as therapy. Uh, I I loved to journal, but I felt like um, I wanted it to be more focused on my story like this is this is a turning point in my life i recognized it because of the way that i teach stories i said all right this is the beginning of something and so i started just journaling what i felt what i was going through i really tried to look at the patterns of how my life was going because i knew that from previously from journaling there'd be a day where I would write that my world was crashing down and then three days later, everything was fine. And then two months later, I'd have something (laughs) bad happen. And then a day later, everything was fine. So to being able to recognize those patterns because I take the time to write them down has been very therapeutic so I just started writing my my story as narrative therapy and then I people were starting to notice that I was changing uh, for the better because I did get to a pretty dark place and um, shut everybody out I was a hermit for a while and um, just trying to deal with deal with what I was feeling and so um, then when I started telling other people about it they said well maybe you should share that with with others maybe you should publish and it terrified me to think about that but i thought you know what why not if it can help someone else who might be going through the same thing it will have been worth the vulnerability of me putting my heart out into the world and that's really what this book is it's it's the healing of my heart so i do i do share some pretty deep struggles and not in detail because that is for me and and really the purpose of sharing this story is so that other people can think about their journey they don't need to know about me per se but to share my journey in hopes of inspiring someone i chose my words in a way where they can put themselves in the story and they and not knowing that i've already had responses from from some people who have uh, read the book that they said wait a second i'm anna and what could be more beautiful then to have that kind of belonging and connection in this world is to say someone understands me because that's all I really wanted. In fact, the first line of my book is for most of my life, I've felt underestimated and misunderstood. And now now
0: I'm seeing that I'm not alone. You had to take the leap to learn that, right? Like that whole idea of resolve is, you know, set your mind to something, you're just going to do it. So whether it was in the actual, you know, writing of that, uh, book or whether it was actually pressing that submit to whatever format you used to publish it, because you can ditch at any point, right? Like that's super super vulnerable. It's not like you were putting together a recipe book, you know. <laughs> I almost did.
1: And you know what? You're right. That result to
0: actually push the button,
1: my finger was shaking, hitting that submit button, um, and but at the at at this point, I am not scared anymore to be vulnerable. And it is incredibly free and beautiful because if I can connect with people on that deep level, I think that the world is craving to connect at that level. They're just scared of what it takes to get there. And so I'm hoping that I can inspire people through showing them that it's going to be okay and that the struggle doesn't really end and that's okay too. A lot of times people think that once I do this, then everything will be fine. And I think that some of the readers are going to get frustrated with the fact that the book doesn't end when it should, because there's another struggle Mm. after the victory. And then after the other victories, there's another struggle. And that's just kind of how life is. And to accept that and resolve that in my heart and know that I'm going to be okay in the victories and I'm going to be okay in the struggles that they are continually cyclical, it makes those victories so much more because I know that they're going to be short and that I'm going to be prepared for another battle again, but there'll be another victory. So I think if people can resolve that there is no destination and that this is quite an exciting, adventurous journey that does not end, um, it gives a lot of freedom and a lot more meaning to
0: the moments that we have right now. Right. So spoiler alert there, like you <laughs> we pick up Anna's book and you know Sorry. that you're not going to no, know that's Sorry. good. I, I think it's really good. And it's wise to, to give that heads up, because when I think about I, there's so much turning in my mind when I was listening to you and I was kind of thinking about the fact that my brain was doing this. Right. So like, as Brene Brown says, my hero, she says, um, from neuroscience that our brains are hardwired for story and we crave a beginning, middle and end. So our brains will make them up. And I think I'm thinking too that layers in so well with what you're talking about that your readers are like, yeah, we want an end, but you're writing about some pretty deep topics. It sounds like, and you know, and you, this idea of that, our life goes in patterns and seasons that we are to enjoy the journey and not really arrive at a destination. And so that's so hard because our brains are like we're fighting that battle (laughs) for the brain to close it up and just put a bow on it. Right.
1: Right. And, and, and I think to be honest with ourselves that, um, once we arrive where we think we're supposed to be, it's not the end. There's more, there's more to come, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. And the strength that I have found in the struggles and the joy I have found in the victories, become stronger and stronger and stronger each time I go through a new
0: battle. Mm. So I'm curious about, you know, in the on the podcast, I just this is what I love doing is amplifying people's stories. And so it's not just, you know, from the scope of what you have in this wonderful book, but you know, your life story too. So I'm sure that in this reflective process, you were not only thinking about the challenges that you were going through at the time, but I'm assuming, um, based on, you know, my own experiences and what I've read and all of that is that maybe you've journeyed even further back to just kind of start understanding yourself as a person. And that takes a lot of heart work and a lot of dedication where most of us just want to gloss it all over and move on. Right. (laughs) Is that accurate? Have you been reflecting upon your past as well? Yeah. And that does show up
1: in the book too. Um, A lot of people say don't live in the past, and I agree with that. Um, Not to live there, but the past can be very useful in teaching us the lessons to make our present and our future so much more meaningful if we allow, allow them to teach things to us. But like in the book, there are some things that we have to do in order to be able to handle that past. And so I go, and I don't want to do a lot of spoiler alerts, but there is a lot of deep digging um, into uh, reflection reflection on things that require forgiveness, things that require putting guilt and shame in the place they need to be in. And how do I confront that? Um, it it was really hard to go through that. And every time I had to edit my book, I had to relive those things over and over again and um, mm. and remind myself of where I've been and where I have come to and where I'd like to go because of all of these things. And I've recently been tested on what I've learned from my book. And it's just beautiful to be able to apply those lessons now and see the difference.
0: So that's a really nice testament to the fact that like you said this was narrative therapy. Yes. And truly has like pays that dividend continuously, but I appreciate how you talk about that craft of writing when you're going back and editing it's not just first of all, it's not just something you put aside and then don't go back to. And those are triggers. Like they're, you know, they're real in in education and in our our circles when we talk about, you know, drumming up the past. Well, we we all have some traumas to face and whether that was in childhood or at any point in our journey. And we do have choices. We can cover over those and cope over them (laughs) negatively, but we can cope with them positively. And I just love this life message that you're giving is... Facing them, you know, is critical. Um, the quote that just popped in my mind, and I've I've shared this one a few times in a few different spaces, but the Zig Ziglar quote that fear has too many meanings. It's um, face everything and rise or forget everything and run, right? And so it sounds to me like it, this has a lot of application here. Sarah, that's incredible that you say that because
1: fear does have... Uh, fear is definitely a dynamic character in my, in my book. She, she changes dramatically and in, into um, the nickname of respect. And um, again, I don't want to spoil some things, but fear goes on quite an interesting journey with me. And she transitions. And um, it's incredible now. Um, I, I will say this. Um, she becomes more of like a nurturing mother. Than a paralyzing uh, oppressor, a paralyzing bully. Um, and to have fear that is nurturing, that taps you on the shoulder to say, "Hey, Anna, remember, this is dangerous. Okay, thank you, fear. It's so empowering. <laughs> <laughs> it is so empowering. I used to be physically physically paralyzed by fear. And I don't have to live like that anymore all due to personification and journaling. (laughs) (laughs) Go figure.
0: Um, It's incredible. Well, and that's huge because that's, you know, it's something we all face. We all have it, you know, and so I love this whole idea of, of that shift and how we use it. Cause we, you know, in, on the NL podcast, we actually had a whole series in October on fearlessness and you are not alone in this great thinking because uh, a lot of the guests spoke specifically to this idea that there's a healthy dose of fear. You got to use it, right? Um, I don't think anyone else though has ventured down the path. And I actually have thought about this myself is that, um, you know, we're prone to wander, right? So like, there's so many different responses that we can have to fear. But sometimes when we are damaging ourselves, and we need a healthy dose of fear, whether that's out of ignorance or a choice to continue down a destructive path to actually have that fear. I like that you um, place it as like a nurturing kind of mother figure, but just to keep us out of the shadows. I like that.
1: Yeah, it, it does. And fear can be useful if it is not uh, used ineffectively. I don't even, I don't know how to, how else to say that,
0: but um, there is an effective way to have a relationship with fear. That's awesome. So that's that healthy versus unhealthy state for sure. Okay. So Anna, I am just so thrilled that you've been sharing all these fun little tidbits about your book, and it sounds like it's so kind of um, inextricably tied to your life story, which is really fascinating, and I love where we've gone with this conversation, (laughs) but I always have um, two standard questions that I ask on the Anna podcast, and so I'm going to go ahead and ask them. Um, One is that if you could write a letter to yourself at any age or stage, what would you say? Control and expectations.
1: Are more harmful than useful, um, and that to embrace to embrace the flow of the gifts of the universe is the best way to live. Uh, when we and and I do talk about that a little bit in the beginning, when we hold on to something so tightly. We could actually ruin the very thing we're we're trying to save because of how tightly we're holding on to it, and that could be relationships, that could be jobs, that could be um, our things, our materials, and we ruin the very thing we loved about it in the beginning when we try to control and um, and hold on too tightly because of our expectations of how things should be. When we can literally let go of that, we can actually enjoy what we are holding and we can see it better and we can interact with it more if we have an open hand than a closed hand. So I just say, open
0: your hands and just enjoy. Mm, That's wonderful. And uh, again, has, I think, a lot of wisdom tied to that and probably could Apply at a lot of different. I can picture you as a child and as a teenager and as yourself yesterday. You know, it's it's pretty applicable um, to us at any space. So the next question uh, is that if there is a listener that is finding um, themselves in a pit or fear or doubt and they need your words to help them climb up out of it, what could you say? I would say that doubt
1: can be like a raging bull, and. Um, it, It is bull. <laughs> Doubt is bull. <laughs> um, and you just got to grab it by the horns and show it to his boss. And that is uh, what faith can help us do. So faith is is what gives us the strength to grab the bull by the horns and say no more. As far as fear goes, um, I've already discussed how I've personified fear. Um, Being able to overcome, having fear be paralyzing, um, it's very difficult, but it's very worth it. And um, to transform fear into respect also takes faith. So I would say that faith is the core
0: of taming doubt
1: and changing fear to become
0: more healthy and become healthier. I love that phrase, taming doubt and changing fear to become more healthy. It's quotable. I hope you have that in your book.
1: (laughs) Um, It is in my book (laughs) because doubt, faith, and fear are characters. So (laughs) they do interact with each other.
0: That's awesome. Okay, so how about, uh, do you have any recommendations for the listeners uh, to connect with on social media like anybody in your professional learning network?
1: Oh, goodness, my... Uh, Professional Learning Network has given me so much strength. It's actually a group of educators who um, are, are passionate about education, but also passionate about building the relationships to support each other as we venture into our profession of education. So we put the relationship first. We are called the crazy PLN. We have the hashtag and we actually just started a new Twitter account with Crazy PLN, and we are going to have weekly chats now with people um, that deal with the different aspects of education that we all bring to the table because we are all in different parts of the world. We are all in different um, different areas of education and we all bring something different to the table. But um, the main thing we all bring is our stories, our experiences, and our support for each other. Um, a lot of times we, we meet uh, circumstances where people put us down for our enthusiasm. And so to all bound together and create this tight-knit rope of, of educators who support each other's success has only... Um, catapulted all of us into um even more enthusiasm and excitement and empowerment and so i would highly recommend checking us out on uh on twitter i don't do much other social media interaction i do have um an instagram where i post some things about education as uh, teaching with a smile and then um and that's really it <laughs>
0: Wonderful. Well, I'll be sure to link that. Uh, and I was just checking out the hashtag Crazy PLN. That looks like so much fun. So I can't wait to engage with that myself. I know my listeners will love it too.
1: Okay. Oh, we have a lot of
0: fun. Yeah, and uh, and I can see that I'm connected with everybody in this uh, chain. So that's fun. How about any books that you would recommend? You know, it's interesting.
1: There are so many books that I would recommend that I don't know if uh, we have time for all of them. Uh, the one that I read—I'm <laughs> serious. I, I want to—I want to plug every single one of my friends' books. And um, so, I think if you go to the Cre- Crazy PLN uh, Twitter, you will see all of our our books. So, any any one of the authors—I think there are six of us who have uh, books on Amazon now. Um, any one of those. Um, those wonderful people's books I would recommend. I have, I'm in the middle of one of them right now. Um, and it's called making waves. Uh, and I am super excited to, to finish hell's book. And, um, we all talk about doing a book signing, but the, there's a book that really has changed my perspective on the dimension that I'm living. And this is the book that I'm going to recommend. C.S. Lewis is probably my favorite author, and he's well known for Narnia books, his his Chronicles of Narnia books, but he's a little less well known for his nonfiction, um, nonfiction, I'm sorry, his nonfiction and his um, other fictional books. So The Great Divorce is um, an antithesis to A Brave New World. Um, not a lot of people, I'm sorry, that's not true. <laughs> he wrote a sci-fi trilogy, that is the antithesis to a brave new world. The great divorce is an antithesis to the marriage of heaven and hell. Uh, Blake's what have a marriage of heaven and hell. And so, what um, C.S. Lewis does is he um, he shows us that we're currently living in eternity and. Uh, we get to choose our state of mind hell and heaven isn't really a place it's our state of mind and it's pretty incredible to think of time that way because when you think of eternity it doesn't start at the end it is just always happening and so everything that we do could be that we are in heaven or everything we do could put us in hell at all times and it's really interesting to think about that because a lot of us strive for the end. We strive for what's beyond. We, you know, or sometimes we strive for today. And what kinds of things do we need to think about in order to make this right here more meaningful right now? And um, he he uh, he builds characters that show what obstacles get in our way, and that we are usually our worst enemy. We are our own devil. We are our own nemesis because of the choices that we make. And it's really interesting to to see life from that perspective.
0: That is really interesting. I had never heard of that before. Um, as you said, less well known. So thanks for sharing that and such great depth. That's great. Okay. So Anna, I know that my listeners are going to want to get in touch with you. So would you just let us know, I think you already mentioned Twitter, but what is, and I'll link it in the show notes, but what's the best way for listeners to be able to engage with you after this interview?
1: Yeah. Twitter is a great way to, to engage with me. Um, I I accept um, direct messages. Um, You can also email me at um wellculturedperspectives at gmail.com um wellculturedperspectives is a website i started um as a way to put all of my writing into one place i love to write and i um have put that website on hold for a while because i've been finishing the book that just so now i'm i'm excited to start blogging again so to interact with with me that would be the website or the um the email would be the best way to email
0: or to interact. Yeah. I'll be sure to link those so that our listeners can get in touch with you and make sure listeners to grab a copy of Anna Marie's book. Obviously you learned a lot of great things about it. And I just thank you so much for taking time to chat and have this awe-inspiring conversation with me, Anna. Thank you so much, Sarah. Speaking of resolve, I slayed some giants in 2019 and am thrilled to let my in awe community know that Lead with Faith, building a firm foundation so you can rise up, slay fear, and serve well, launched last week and is available right now. You know there is a mission in all of our messages. I cannot wait to see where this one lands for those who need it. There is a link in the show notes. As always, blessings, friends.